We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Tower cleared. So, um, happy to record the second podcast here in Estonia, Tallinn, at the European Space Week. Um, it's a, a while uh, since, since the first podcast we were, because Sven and I were really busy, uh, we um, started our project Live Year, which was awarded at the uh, European um, Space Week uh, at the Copernicus Masters, and now we are here for New Space Vision. Uh, I think we have a really, really uh, nice guest. Um, and, um, exactly. Yeah. But before we start with uh, the podcast itself, we just wanted to say we had the last podcast with Interstellar Ventures and what's coming up and what we are really excited about is the conference, New Space Vision Conference 2018 on the 27th of April in Berlin with great speakers from SAP, Bayer and New Space Companies. It's uh, how space affects every industry. So um, you can find info more information on our website. But uh, without further ado, we would like to introduce you to Dallas. He's an uh, analyst at uh, Northern Sky Research, and maybe you could introduce yourself a little bit. Yeah, well, thanks uh, for the kind words, and thanks for having me. Um, so Northern Sky Research is a company I work with. We're based in uh, Boston, uh, Massachusetts, but we have analysts worldwide. Uh, we are a satellite market research and consulting firm. So basically what that means is if it involves space, uh, especially satellites, we have analysts looking at the revenue opportunity, drivers, restraints. Uh, we model the market. We forecast it out usually the next 10 years. Um, so we're very involved in both the research and the analysis of the market technologies uh, and the major players. Cool. So that's very interesting. And I think we can all learn a lot of, uh, uh, from your insights. So we are here in Europe and uh, you are covering the, the whole in, uh, satellite market worldwide. And as we are especially interested in the European new space sector, we would like uh, to know from you where you see the European new space sector right now, for example, in comparison with the US. Yeah, so the big, uh, the big talk this week has been about, um, mo here at European Space Week, they've been looking at the Copernicus program. Uh, so basically, for those unfamiliar, Copernicus is the European program for Earth observation. Basically, it's a platform and a group of satellites delivering a large amount uh, of imagery every day to European players. Um, so they're basically looking at how to leverage that data and, and that information because it's kind of a difference that you see when you look at other regions. The, the United States is a good example. There's a lot of people interested in the United States in creating satellites, uh, manufacturing satellites and payloads that can view the Earth and send down all this information. Um, but in certain respects, Europe already has a platform. It's focused on a very specific type of imagery, but it's already there. And so for the new space guys, something that's really interesting globally is big data analytics. So it's the idea that you, um, in the past, a government font, uh, program or somebody would be interested, they would go to a satellite operator, say, give me data of this region at this time. Boom, they make a map. They make some kind of service that says, oh, farmlands are growing yeah. by 20%. Great. <laughs> uh, now what we're seeing is people want to take hundreds 
thousands of, of images, of, data, of uh, gigabytes of data, and they want to extract trends from it. So how many cars are in the parking lot, which equals how successful is that business? How many oil containers are there in China, which means how much oil they're going to be bringing to the market? They take the imagery and they do a bunch of analytics on it and they provide a service um, yeah. to people. And the, the new space... There's a lot of interesting applications in turning imagery from Copernicus into some kind of product. Um, but I think the really exciting idea is if you have a playground of data to work with, like Copernicus offers, the next thing is turning it into some kind of actual product service. Um, and that, that's really exciting. So, so uh, your, the question is, where is the European Orbital Insight, for example? Exactly, yeah. So... Um, and that's, that's the thing, that there's a lot of that kind of company in, in the U.S. especially. You're seeing it in Asia growing. Um, it, it's tough to say because the data that's available here through Copernicus, it's low resolution. Yeah, so yeah, we're talking yeah. 10 meters uh, you know, or greater. And it's really great for agricultural, land use, uh, environmental farming. It's not really great for the services sector. You can't sure. you can't count a car if, if every pixel is ten meters. So that's a that's a problem. Um, so I think that the if there was to be an orbital insights of Europe, uh, at least right now, it would be really focused on the agricultural sector um, and stuff like that. And I think there's going to be a couple of things that need to happen before you can get kind of a, a high volume, high revenue services uh, product here. Okay. So uh, we had we have in Europe uh, more than 400 Earth observation companies, and uh, just uh, a few days ago uh, they said 20% of them are in the room here. So at the <laughs> Copernicus, I uh, think that's not yeah, yeah that's <laughs> so um, there are a lot of small companies, and 96% are um, less than have less than 50 employees, and uh, we are seeing all the venture capital going into, for example, Descartes Lab, um, 50 million just a few weeks ago, and uh, we both uh, always are thinking about why didn't they invest in Europe. Um, so, mm -hmm. what is uh, the mentality? And now we just heard that Ice Ice investment of 30 million, it's uh, from Silicon Valley. Um, mm -hmm. um, so, how do you see the, the um, uh, this, um, is it a problem for Europe or is it, is it uh, what's the reason for that? Uh, so, so, as I said earlier, Europe's an interesting playground in, in terms of having data that's available. Um, and that kind of supports your foundation of making a data analytics product. So, it's almost like you have that resource, but in Europe, you don't have funding. So that, that's the two sides of the coin. Yeah. You need a, you need a, a market that is uh, mature and, and plentiful enough to give you opportunities, but you obviously need funding and interest and investment. And Europe traditionally doesn't have it. It doesn't have it as much as Silicon Valley. Um, it's, it's a lot of, you have a lot of regional play. There's politics involved. You have, uh, if you're from one country, you can't get funding or products made or funded from another country in Europe. Um, as much as we want to talk about Europe as a borderless nation, it's still there's still a lot of policy there, um, and yeah, the the lack of the lack of funding and just the the diversification almost of funding it's spread out. Um, so the there are a lot of small companies as you say here, and and yeah, ISI they're they're from here, and they yeah, went yeah. to Silicon they were here from Europe, and they went to Silicon Valley. They got money, and now they're starting their business. So. There's a couple of different approaches. Uh, we can talk about that a little bit more, but simply put, I would say that these smaller companies, they either have to work um, more in line with what the government is looking for, because that's where any of the funding is, 
uh, and, and turning this low resolution volumes of data into a service that actually generates revenue isn't just some cool technology, it's actually a product. Uh, or maybe just get the funding from Silicon Valley and then come back. <laughs> I mean, if you, it's, it's, uh, it's tough to get the, the demand downstream here in Europe. It's still very much focused on institutions or yeah. on, on, on the government. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, we're seeing this worldwide, the commoditization of data, the fact that there's just so much data available. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe you, you know, we see a lot of applications looking at, uh, at collecting data here in Europe and, and farming and stuff. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll have it someday where the average user is interested as well, not just Uber and in the States, but maybe Uber here in Europe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. I, so that's all everyone is saying that funding really is the biggest problem for the European new space sector. So that there's no funding and, uh, I'm wondering if, if that's the only reason, uh, because we see examples like ISI, which have no funding from Europe, but have funding uh, from the US, but are, they are a European company. And what I found really interesting is that there are two new space companies out of the same university in Finland. Mm. And uh, what they said is that it could be that the the lack of a uh, national space um space agency supported the entrepreneurial mindset so they just had to found something themselves and maybe that's that's also an interesting yeah an interesting i think thing. i think that's another point as well i mean if you look at the difference between the um the number and the and the success of companies in germany versus uh, other other uh, countries here in europe it's very different because germany has I mean, how many how many uh, ESA centers are, are in Germany? Three or two uh, or three? Or yeah, four? and there are still yeah. more opening up. Yeah, and and, and, opening and up, then yeah. DLR yeah. itself is very yeah. Uh, proficient. So yeah, yeah the, with a, with any of these downstream services, the number one thing that you that you need, just starting from the basics, is you need to have uh, customers that you, you need to have a problem that you're solving that customers are willing to pay for. The next step is have customers that are willing to pay for it and then and most of the time the customer that's most willing to pay for these kinds of things or has the capital is the government um, and that's everywhere even in, in uh, the United States you're seeing companies I mean you plan it with their NGA contract recently yeah. uh, Black Sky Global just signed a contract with the US Air Force um, so government is a key uh, place to get this early support that you need um, But then you have to look at other verticals as well, uh, agriculture, farming, and, and things like this. So, yeah, having a, a national infrastructure to support you is good because it's not just money. It's the, it's the means of growing a team that can develop a solution. But that usually, turns, that usually results in needing money so that you can hire the right people or you can afford a yeah. better facility or better resources. Yeah, so um, I think um, ESA, for example, recognized this um, uh, problem and um, all the other European Commission too. Uh, they are telling here, be disruptive um, in their um, tenders. And, um, but the thing is, um, it's a long way to change the system. And we, we both, uh, Sven and I, uh, made an ESA um, uh, tender this year earlier. It was the first startup kick, um, um, kickstart activity from ESA. It was um, for small projects for startups. And um, it, it's it's a good idea, but um, the execution was was really really complicated. Yeah. Uh, a lot of paperwork, and um, it started with the coast um, um, calculation program from ESA. We didn't get it, but we uh, because um, 
of uh, our company um, uh, structure. structure. We didn't have a VAT number. Yeah, because uh, we were really early stage mm -hmm. there. Um, um, and um, that, that are some things if you want to open it up for startups. We know startups, they are, they are not actually a company um, in, in the beginning. And um, yeah, so. So how do you feel yeah. then? Uh, there were some talks here during the Space Week about um, the accelerator program and the incubator program. I mean, how do you feel about such things? Is the, is the infrastructure there? Or is it strongly based but too focused, or is it just loosely focused? So the accelerator program, which we just uh, attended, was really great. Yeah. Uh, it was really interesting, but it was very short, one and a half days, and it was very good because we had a very good mentor. And it's probably different if you have a mentor which is not that good because the, over the whole year, most of the support comes from this mentor. Mm. And so you really have to... And maybe maybe that's that the, the mentors really have to be high class or really engaged in this yeah. kind of stuff. And we talked to other mentors which yeah. didn't have the space background at all. Were consultants in a di different field, and sometimes the problems which are in the space sector downstream and upstream are very much different from consultancy in the uh, supply chain of an automotive mm. company. Yeah. Yeah, it adds a new dimension to it's who you know, yeah, right? So exactly, it's not yeah. just who you know yeah. to get connections, it's, it's yeah. who you're dealing with to, to push you forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, yeah, um, as we were part of the uh, Copernicus Masters, so we, we could choose a mentor from a list of, of more, uh, I think, 100 uh, yeah, mentors. 100 plus. And um, it was really um, completely uh, spread over all uh, disciplines. And uh, yeah, we made the strategic decision uh, to choose our mentor. And it was a really good decision as uh, it came out. Um, and so we think those programs are really good because, uh, for example, the, the masters uh, for early stage, you can, um, it's not that complicated, um, like at the ESA yeah. kickstart activity. So you can um, uh, make an application uh, with uh, less uh, effort. And, but um, yeah. what I still would still say, I yeah. mean, the uh, accelerator is good, the incubator is even, uh, incubator is even better because you get money. Uh, but right now it's just starting so you can't say if it's mm. a good one mm -hmm. or a bad one we are now in an accelerator uh, from the uh, in, in berlin supported by the european social fund and the berlin senate so it's also money from the european commission but it's not targeted to space so maybe it's because our business case is not targeted at space and that's just uh, how we uh, how we uh, get our knowledge about problem our customer problems maybe that's why we get into this ex yeah, uh, incubator yeah, yeah. But um, let's see how this all develops. But money is still an important thing. You don't get money at the accelerator. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And uh, what, what we recognize for us um, as uh, young founders, um, in the early stage, uh, 50,000 euros, um, you can make a lot of, out of that. As a, a big company, um, it, it's nothing for you. Mm -hmm. um, so we could hire first developers, for example, and this is the, the progress. And then to get um, um, another funding, you know, that's, that um, it gets really fast after you reach this uh, specific point, but that, therefore you have to work in advance without money um, for one year maybe, you know? A couple of people yeah. I've spoken with, uh, they said that um, European startups have, they have the disadvantage of not having wide available deep pockets of funding, mm. but they a lot of them turn that to their advantage because they have to be more uh, resourceful, they have to be more creative and efficient with their business practices yeah. or their yeah. ideas to get the limited funding that's there, which is kind of, you know, trying to see the silver lining in, in the cloud, but uh, I think it's an interesting idea, and there are there are definitely cases of, of companies that are startups or even, uh, 
you know, going into Series B and C funding, and they're receiving a lot of money uh, for a market that hasn't proven itself yet, or it hasn't been val validated, or you have talks with these people, and uh, they seem not as focused as they could be on, on how they're actually going to generate revenues. And yeah. So I think f something that I've been seeing, and thankfully I've been seeing uh, an improvement here, is a lot of these startups, um, they come straight out of university and they come right from an engineering background. I mean, I came from an engineering background. I took zero classes in, in economics until a very late stage <laughs> yeah. in, my, in my, yeah. my education. And I just wanted to build something. And then I think a lot of these, these people, they build something or they want to and people think it's a great idea. And that's as far as they get. Um, and they're not able to... There, there's no market knowledge. There's no uh, ideas of how to actually model or, or, or build a business around their technology. And I think, I think that's the next step. So if these accelerator and incubator programs, if they grow and they expand and they keep going, uh, I think that will really help European startups to, uh, to make that transition from you know, white paper, PhD project Check. to yeah. Yeah. Uh, first, you know, first funding round or second funding round. Yeah. So, okay. So, Candace Johnson, one of the founders of SES, just uh, made a comment at the panel discussion that, uh, for example, insurance companies would have a big interest in Earth observation. Mm -hmm. And what I want to come to is that there are other companies without a space background, without a space connection right now, moving in a space domain. So, we, with OneWeb, we have the example that, for example, Qualcomm and um, and SoftBank invested big amounts of money into OneWeb, which is an really that's a mega constellation which will provide internet to the whole world. Or Coca-Cola also invested in <laughs> yeah. uh, in this kind of projects. And I'm wondering what how you see it that, for example, um, a space company with an idea and the technology should maybe try to get one of these non-space companies, big non-space mm -hmm. companies on board as an investor. Uh, investor. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. It's a trend that we're seeing uh, all over in, in various sectors. So everybody always says space is hard, and it is. And they space is literally removed from us. It's not, we can't access it. We're not used to that environment. And for the longest time, uh, if you wanted to develop any kind of hardware, software product that used space, it's always different. There are different legal and, and manufacturing, different business practices, but there's a lot of trends that are bringing the business down to earth. So you have um, mass production of satellites. You yeah. have um, uh, you have services that that are that are key to these other verticals. So focusing on Earth observation as an example, these uh, insurance and investment. What we're seeing is that um, traditionally Earth observation. You're a company that wants to make a map for a farming institution or something. That wants they they hire you to make a map of the area to tell you how the crops are doing, and you go to Digital Globe or Airbus and you get your imagery, you process it, you make your product, your project is done. Uh, what we're seeing now is there's so much data coming available, and there's so many companies trying to learn how to automize, uh, automatically filter and process, store and analyze this data that now your output is not an image or a map. Your output is a financial report. Yeah. You know, your, mm. your output is a statistical analysis of, of demographic users in, in a certain sector, vertical region. So an insurance firm, that's, that's, what, that lady, that's what they were saying was, um, 
insurance firms don't want an image. They want a statistical analysis of, of infrastructure and people. And you can get that from space. Space is just another asset. And that's the key. If you can take space and just turn it into another part of your pipeline, another asset that you use, that's how you make the transition from uh, a novel, unique uh, service into something that's just built right into somebody's revenue chain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What we recognize is that uh, big uh, corporates which are not using those space assets and you say, hey, I've got a good solution for you there. Uh, at the first moment they say, oh, space, oh no, I don't think that's uh, interesting for us. But you have, you really have to show them the, the solution. You have to develop uh, the solution and then show them, hey, and then they, they get interested. Yeah, there's still, so, there's still yeah. a stigma that space yeah. is yeah. dangerous and... and yeah. uh, a bad investment and etc. Risky, risky, risky. Yeah, yeah and then yeah. and the thing is, I mean, I wanted to answer this question during the panel. Someone said, "Well, what you know, what why space assets over others?" The first answer is wide field yeah. of range, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You have a satellite; it, you can take an entire view of Europe if you want, or you can take individual views of countries. Uh, you try and do that with a with an airship or a drone. I mean, it's impossible. So wide field of range, borderless. Uh, you know, Europe wants to embrace the borderless satellites do that already. Um, mm. So what you have to do is you, if you say, OK, we have a space program or platform or, or service and people start to back away, remind them, OK, but I can image all of China mm. uh, and I can get all of the manufacturing index of China tomorrow or next week. Um, yeah, yeah, I can yeah, yeah. Uh, I can if you're in communications, I can multicast what you your programming over an entire continent rather than feeding it through telephone wires and fiber optic cables so space is risky it is uh there's a lot of investment involved especially in infrastructure but it has those advantages that are that are key to it and that's what you have to do it's okay to sell the novelty or the uh, the uniqueness of space because it sounds interesting it does generate kind of funding and interest that way but then you have to flip it on its head and say yeah, but I've incorporated it into my data analytics pipeline. Yeah. There's a mm -hmm. lot of companies right now that are traditionally ground-based data analytics. They take, uh, even if we go back to agriculture, they have thousands of uh, field samples and reports, and they have a, a database that, that has analysis of all the farmers' fields and health and crop. Now they can take satellite imagery and add to it. They can add to their resources, and that's that's the thing. It's all about integrating it into into some kind of service. Mm. Yeah. And that's uh, the interesting approach. ISA has this approach too. They don't sell imagery. They don't sell, uh, they sell the information are getting out of that. Mm -hmm. They're building the intelligence and they're building satellites. Yeah, let's, crazy. yeah. let's see. <laughs> yeah, we hopefully yeah. will have a yeah. podcast with them as well. Um, yeah. 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 Um, but perfect. We also wanted to ask the question about what the real value of space assets is. But you answered <laughs> this question perfectly. Yeah. And um, yeah, so um, you just mentioned uh, we had I had a talk before uh, that you were part of the International um, Space University, and um, so that's a really interesting um, thing because we met a lot of guys, uh, really um, um, famous guys in the space industry, and they were all in the space at the space university. So uh, maybe we should uh, um, uh, yeah have a chat on this one. Yeah, you might want to have yeah. a future podcast with them. I, I give you a brief just yeah. just overview yeah. here. Um, so. International Space University, based in Strasbourg, France. Um, they Their philosophy is what they call the three I's, intercultural, interdisciplinary, and international. 
Um, and what they try to do is give you a very broad perspective on space, space markets, and everything from the engineering straight through to the finances, even space exploration. Um, yeah, it's a great institution that uh, Northern Sky Research, I believe 30% of our personnel are from the ISU. 30%. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're a small company, so yeah. you do the math there, and it's not, you know. <laughs> but uh, it um, it's because... When you're when you go through the ISU, you develop this this ability to to see different markets um, and to to see trends. You know, you see things from the automotive sector, and you think, how is that going to affect the satellite sector and, and etc. And that that kind of perspective um, it really helps with with our company. So yeah, the ISU is a is a great program. So I, I hope uh, you guys do a future podcast with them. Be interesting. And we hope so. Uh, so if you know anyone who would like to, who is from the ISU and who, who would like to uh, make a podcast with us, we would be happy. Just uh, shoot us an email to info at newspace.vision. So as you said, if you're part of the ISU and you as an analyst, especially you get a broad perspective and, uh, overall view over a lot of topics what do you think are the biggest and most promising trends in the space market is it uh, is it space mining is it material science pharma uh, pharmaceutical research is it yeah well we did uh, we just recently did a report where we looked at the last 15 years of uh, financing in the entire space industry Uh, we split into relatively three sections, um, Earth to Space, so that's sending uh, manufacturing, launch, everything that gets assets into space, Space to Ground, which is mostly what we've been talking about, Earth observation, communications, and Space to Space, which we, tourism, uh, asteroid mining, in-orbit servicing. Um, the biggest, uh, Earth to Space was still the largest, um, yeah. satellite manufacturing and launch, uh, huge markets, so much interest everywhere, Silicon Valley, Europe, you, you have it. Uh, we always joke at, at uh, NSR, uh, another day, another constellation, because <laughs> yeah, everybody <laughs> wants to develop them. And whether whether or not it's a bubble or not, the fact is miniaturization, uh, mass production, really helping to to get access to space, and that's that that's a big trend. Um, the next would be Earth observation is pretty big. Um, there's because now that we have so much access to data you're starting to be able to do more where you're, maybe you're a company who doesn't have satellites, you don't produce imagery at all, you aggregate imagery or you aggregate imagery and then produce analytics for it. So there's a, a big opportunity for big data analytics in the earth observation domain. Um, other other things kind of more emerging, I would say, um, I, I think uh, asteroid mining and stuff like that, I think it's literally and figuratively out there. It's going to take a while before we have an infrastructure that, and money to, to do it. Um, but in-orbit servicing is uh, starting to become more interesting. There's some companies recently who've uh, looked at this. And just recycling and reusing assets in space is, I, I think, a logical next step for, uh, for satellite manufacturers. Yeah, I think they should start with the ISS within a few years. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's a big just, satellite. I think they just yeah. rent half of it out. Or yeah, something. yeah, you know, of like course. They yeah. said yeah. they said on the yeah. panel about uh, governments kind of leading the way in terms of programs that don't return on like uh, a financial return on investment, but more of a societal, and then let commercial come in. I was really surprised you didn't mention the ISS yeah, because that's, that's right. kind of 
what I, you know, they, uh, they're starting to try and have commercial modules and maybe a commercial section. So yeah. it's an interesting approach. Yeah, but uh, they have the Bartolomeo platform. You heard of that one, right? Uh, right, yeah. yeah. So that's uh, the first approach. And, and, the nanoracks. Um, yeah. And, and the nanoracks, launch. Yeah. Uh, the launches are now being taken care of by, you yeah. know, not by a government-led, yeah. uh, you know, still a government-funded uh, in terms of their main customers, yeah. the government, but, you know, SpaceX and, and Orbital. Um, so it's it's nice to see that the... Uh, it's it's good to see that the infrastructure worldwide is opening up yeah, uh, and bringing right. it back to Europe. I think uh, I, I think yeah, there's a lot of traditional, maybe nationalistic uh, policies that need to be kind of developed a little bit broader, and I That's think we're true. getting there. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's very difficult. For example, the uh, geographically return from the EU, which. Uh, so every member state uh, of ESA, so every member state of ESA has to pay a certain amount into the whole volume of ESA, and every uh, national nation gets the same amount back uh, into their companies. So that makes makes it sometimes very difficult to, yeah, to form um, form uh, yeah projects yeah projects uh, yeah, consortium. yeah I mean it, it's uh, it's the the organization of ESA is is really is, uh, an impressive feat. You have this, this, these many players. I mean, try to get four people to decide yeah. what to have for yeah. dinner, right? And then try to get 30, 20, what is, what you, how many members do you have? 22, 20? Uh, it's a lot. But yeah. try to get yeah. that many people, uh, that many institutions to agree on the general ways of funding um, space. I mean, mm. national programs in Canada or the U.S., they're hard enough to draft, let alone... So there are, but there are flaws, as you say. It's yeah. uh, it tends to lean in specific directions, you know, France, Germany. Um, but uh, it's always a compromise between. Yeah, them. and I, I think uh, these these programs are seeing the Copernicus accelerator, um, other business opportunities. I think, I think, yeah. There's, as you said, was it ninety six percent of companies uh, have fewer than fifty people? That gives you maneuverability. That gives yeah. you flexibility. You're not locked into a specific thing. You can change your direction. Um, but you just need to kind of um, view where the market is going and try to uh, try to approach it. I think. Yeah, but so we are really big fans of ESA, uh, but <laughs> there, as as said, it's always a compromise between. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they are um, the enabler for everything, right? That's true. And um, so um, we we talked about the U.S. market and the European market. So I think you you're um, uh, analyzing China or India too. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just hear that China has three hundred fifty thousand people working in the space industry. Um, yeah. So uh, China is uh, is you know we've been talking about the rising stars here during European Space Week, and they <laughs> they are one. I mean, look at their space exploration program. So. All, it went from nothing to astronaut to uh, moon and uh, uh, space station. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, in, uh, preliminary. But they have a, a large workforce. They have a very dedicated, they seem to have a very uh, focused direction. Um, in terms of uh, new space, Earth observation, even communications, yeah, you mentioned SoftBank, uh, a lot of funding there. India is another uh, interesting uh, hotbed for uh Earth observation and services and things like this, um, mostly out of necessity. There's a lot of people in India who could use cheaper access to space or space assets. So there's companies that are starting to look at how to how to deal with this whole big data analytics market. Um, and with China specifically, they've always been a strong manufacturing power. Um, they've always been a strong, um, you know, provider. It's just they've been very focused and, and kind of 
regionally limited, but now they're starting to push out. They're making these deals. Uh, so yeah, I think I think in all sectors, it's we got to keep an eye on on the east. Yeah, Definitely. absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, um, there's uh, the, um, the possibility that in uh, ten years from now on, or maybe eleven. Um, China has the only space station in orbit. So uh, yeah, yeah. What, what, what's then? And um, that's um, in another Let's topic. Let's wait for yeah. Bigelow. Bigelow <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's. Yeah. I, I'm really so that B module. That's super cool. So, yeah, that's cool. Uh, and it was a NASA concept actually. Yeah, and they, exactly. Uh, yeah, and that's a really it. cool approach. Yeah, the the yeah. inflatable hotel in space. Yeah. I, I think that's. And now yeah. on the moon, they know. Yeah, uh, true, true. So yeah. it's another thing too is the 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 ISS whether or not it's going to be funded or extended. Uh, it's a really hard thing to say. I mean, a lot of people argue that Mir was shut down a little too early because basically, uh, basically, there's some politics that uh, that uh, for the Soviet Union, Russia to join with uh, the ISS, you kind of have to decide. Well, maybe we should not split our funding, split our our attention, and, and things like this. So. I don't know. I mean, uh, the future of human space exploration kind of kind of hinges on what the world decides to do with the ISS. Do we? I think China has said they want they want they people. Want to, they yeah, want partnerships. They want, they want the yeah. So so maybe we'll switch to that. Um, I mean, it wouldn't be the it would not be the first time that uh, truly international agreements have been reached in space rather than on earth. Maybe, maybe the U S and China don't get along, uh, on the ground in terms of markets, but maybe in space they can form some kind of alliance. I I absolutely hope that we see in really international, uh, space station or moon project, which is international. Yeah. And I think uh, Russia and, uh, the USA, they said they want to build a station, uh, orbiting the moon. And so, uh, that, that's a really, really interesting thing with, uh, as well. So, with these yeah. large, with these large projects, it yeah. comes down to: Do you really want to split your resources? And yeah. if, if you're yeah. right, if these, yeah. if these superpowers and all the other groups came together, well, you know, what could we do? It's, it's a, it's a big opportunity. But yeah, we'll have to see how the, uh, how the politics <laughs> plays out. Yeah. Even the, even the funding. <laughs> so it's an yeah. interesting time. Yeah, uh, what I really like is that uh, ESA's director, uh, Jan Werner, uh, promoted the Moon Village. Um, so I really love this uh, concept. And um, yeah, there are a lot of uh, private companies uh, which started at the uh, Lunar X Prize, of course. So what, what do you think about uh, the Moon Village um, I, okay. from, from the commercial aspect? Yeah, so from the, the commercial side, mm. I think that it's, uh, it's another step in this process that I've been explaining about uh, finding a commercial aspect, finding a, a sustainable commercial aspect yeah. to your activity. So if you focus on going to Mars, uh, that's more of a, at this stage, it's more of a one-time thing. It's a yeah. big deal. It's far away. It's very difficult. But um, the Moon Village and the Google Lunar X Prize specifically, they are focusing on trying to create a framework of sustainable uh, economy. So the difference is rather than a big government-held program that goes to Mars, you now might have a big government program going to the moon, but it's supported by all of these private players. And if you're able to do that, then the funding and the interest will remain. And even after, you know, maybe 20 years from now when ESA says, well, the moon village was great, but we're done, maybe commercial assets will still say, no, we're still making money here. And they'll, yeah. they'll continue the process. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we've been seeing in a lot of human space flights. So hopefully that's yeah, I like the. I personally like the direction of going back to the moon. Uh, it doesn't have the novelty, but the novelty exists in a sustainable human That's exploration. Right. Yeah. So to come back a little bit closer to Earth, uh, what do you think about material science in space? Do you have 
do you see there some activity in this field or um, space manufacturing? So, of course, uh, made in space, that's the big name. Mm -hmm. uh, there are others which try to do stuff like that. Um, but do you see activity in this field? We we do, but it's it's uh, limited. It's not. Um, I mean, if you're looking at uh, the total economic uh, ability of the space sector, you know there are some very obvious ones: satellite manufacture, launch, communications, etc. Manufacture material science in space is still mostly a research play, yeah. um, and it's it's a it's a combination of what I was saying earlier about people need to learn how to turn a technology into a business. But I think also the technology is still very new. It's still we're still trying to determine how do we build things in space. Yeah. What are the issues there? I think it's uh, it's another example of um, don't just show off the novelty. Show off the uh, the unique value proposition that space can offer. But I don't think we're I don't think we're there yet. I don't think you unless there are some qualities uh, of you know. Sat uh, Materials that are that are created or, or products that are created physically in space that have an advantage or a yeah, uniqueness over the ground We're not there yet. Maybe satellite manufacturing in space could be a unique uh, great opportunity, but uh, We're still you know in engineering terms. You have TRL technology okay. readiness levels We're still really <laughs> low on that and yeah. until it gets high enough that you can start uh, Maybe having a contract or a product commercially. It's it's going to be very restricted. Yeah yeah, um, um, and what do you think? Um, what has to um, happen to boost the um, space economy globally? Is it anything you see that that's not happening today? But um, if that happens, uh, would boost the entire industry to to next? I mean, yeah. it's it's uh, growing fast, but uh, you know there are maybe yeah. some potential. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's growing pretty quickly. Yeah. We've yeah. seen yeah. more. Uh, yeah. One of the speakers said earlier we saw more investment in 2015 than we saw between 2000 and 2014 yeah. combined. So yeah. money. Uh, it Money is coming and the economy is uh, really starting to pivot towards space. Um, I think two aspects are important. One is just outreach and education, um, just to the general public, because a yeah. lot of these programs mm. are going to be state-driven, so you need the public to be uh, supportive uh, of these kinds of large uh, programs and, and even companies and products. And then the other the other aspect is a lot of companies in the uh in the space sector are business to business. Yeah. So they are a business that only caters to business, not to the general public. To get started, they may need the public for the funding and then for to continue and to have a, a product line and a customer um, you know, revenue stream, they need to show the uh, they need to show the other businesses that they can make a unique product for them from these space assets. So it's a little bit it's a little bit repetitive, but I think that's the major thing. A yeah. good example, automotive market. Uh, automotive market has been kind of playing with the idea of using flat panel antennas in, in cars for a while, but there's been a lot of problems. Now that these antenna manufacturers are making them smaller, making them more efficient, and trying to work deals with the automotive industry where they can embed them. Toyota just put out a, 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 an article saying they wanted to embed flat panel antennas into their systems uh, in a few years. As soon as you start doing that, then the, the average customer doesn't even realize, oh, there's a flat antenna in my car that's talking to space. They just flip on the satellite radio or they have the, you know, the, uh, the analytics yeah. on their car. So, yeah, I think those are two of the main ways that you can boost the industry. Uh, how do the people react when you tell them you work in the space industry? 
it's yeah. I mean, first is usually wow, well, yeah. you know, and then I rockets wow, and astronauts. astronauts. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that's that's another thing too. So I came from the background of of the engineering and the space exploration, and then you then you say, oh, well, it's satellite market research and consulting, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah. because a lot of people, you know. Uh, the the rockets are cooler than the finances of the rockets, um, but there's a lot of interesting opportunity there where you can you can help people to see their potential. You yeah. can see the trends that are coming. Um, I mean, in a way, it, half of my job is just researching the space sector, which yeah. means learning about all these really cool things, and then the other half is providing insights, as I've been saying, uh, insights and consulting to help the next generation of companies. Uh, work more efficiently maybe yeah. than the last. So yeah, it, uh, that's usually the reaction I get. Wow, and then wait, what do you do? And then, oh, that's really <laughs> interesting. It's kind of a cycle. <laughs> yeah, if you're founding the space industry, they think, yeah, are you crazy? That's yeah. another thing, where, that's another reaction we get. That's true, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why aren't you yeah. working traditional uh, yeah. industrial, why, you yeah. know, why I, space? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the automotive industry. I worked one year at BMW in Munich. Um, I worked my thesis. It's an awesome company, really. It's, it's really, really cool. And uh, when you say, oh, no, I, I will go into the space industry, you know, your parents, go, go, they went crazy. Yeah, it's literally removed from us. And it, it's, yeah, uh, it's still relatively new. I mean, yeah. you mm -hmm. know, arguably, it's only, half as, it's only half as old as the automotive industry. Yeah. Um, but, you know, more cars are made in a day than, well, I don't have this actual statistic, yeah. but, but so yeah. many but cars probably. are made compared to how many satellites are up there. Yeah. There's a lot more experience here on the ground. So I don't know. I think, I think that would be really interesting when space is a commodity, when yeah. rocket launches yeah. are uh, as usual as a plane taking off. I yeah. mean, you see cars every day, everywhere, and you see planes uh, every day, uh, everywhere. So um, yeah. I hope to see rockets launching uh, maybe nearby. But ho at ho sea. hopefully yeah. clean yeah. ones. Yeah. Clean ones, yeah. <laughs> as many rocket launches as yeah. planes yeah. launch. You know, you, know you know what gets me is when I have to make a really long flight and I think to myself, you know, space tourism is still uh, trying to to make a success, and it's suffering from a lot of the problems I've mentioned uh, yeah. this time. But you think to yourself, a satellite orbits the Earth, a closely orbiting satellite orbits the Earth in ninety minutes. Why can I not fly to Australia in ninety minutes, or yeah. or two, or like two hours rather than fifteen? So we're we're not there yet, but if and when we get there, it'll be really interesting. And I think that motivates a lot of people in the space industry, and I think that's. It makes a difference that a lot of the people in the space industry are really passionate just about the future and about space and about where we are as humanity in 20 or 30 years. And I think that's really cool about the space industry. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's very forward thinking. So, um, and you have to be because if you, if you don't, you, well, there's already, there's already traditional players kind of in every market. So you have to be disruptive. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, that's a good ending for our podcast. Definitely, yeah, it was it was really nice uh, conversation, and I uh, hope we have uh, another con conversation yeah. well, the next yeah, month you. or years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for having me. It was uh, it was a real pleasure, and uh, yeah, I, I wish you the best of luck. I'll be listening to your next po podcast. Thank you very yeah. much. Thank you. <laughs>